0: good morning good afternoon how you doing out there today this is david robert for the marketplace of ideas podcast i hope you're having a wonderful great day it is may what the heck day is it today it is may the 9th we are rolling it throughout this week hopefully you guys are staying safe out there protecting one another looking out all that good stuff before we get started though just want to let you know you can find the marketplace of ideas podcast wherever you get your podcasts from google play stitcher podbean you name it we are there rocking and rolling i'm just here in the basement studio i'm going to record this episode here um it's a little bit damp so if you hear the heater kick on i know it's, it's may but or i might just I might just get a sweater you know whatever but um, yeah, thanks for, for listening. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your day. Today's episode is something that I've been thinking about for a good little while. And over the last little little bit, it's become apparent to me that I've been very hesitant to put out videos of our podcast because of the way of what I think people will say about it. And I got a, a swift kick in my pants a little while ago from watching a Gary V video. Now, if anybody uh, listening to this is aware, Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk is a, uh, I don't want to call him a personality. He's more of a, of a, he's more of a online motivational speaker. I mean, he has uh, a couple of businesses that he runs, I, I believe Vayner Media is his um, title, like head of Vayner Media, excuse me, is his title, and he's able to um, work with brands um, to get their online and their their awareness out there so that these brands can make more money with their services, with their, um, maybe their drinks, lotions, potions, shoes, cars, whatever the case is, and he's been doing that since 2000. I became aware of him around 2016, 2017 there. So, um, he's been in the spotlight. He started his, he helped his, um, I believe his dad and his mom's winery. Um, they owned a wine shop. And so he was one of the first to really sort of help people develop an app so that you could find the type of wine that could work with whatever your, your food is because a lot of people don't really know how to, how to work with wine. They don't really know how to, um, what food sort of goes with it and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, he, he really was able to help their business grow to a million dollar business. And then he left and started his own, um, company. And so he's been, I mean, he's been on everything. He's been on Ted talks. He's, you've seen him with Tony Robbins and all that kind of thing, but he talked about at a, um, kind of like a South by Southwest kind of conference where he was talking about how 98% of the people in the room that are listening to what he's saying won't actually do what he's talking about. And what he was talking about was actually following through on what it takes to get um, deep into the, I guess, into the sales um, circle, if you would, of getting your products and your services out there and making more money. And he was saying that fear is the biggest hindrance to making money. It's not whether or not the economy is good or not. It's not, it's not, it's not whether it's not whether or not you can hire the right person or fire the right person, but it's fear. We have, as he was saying, this amazing infrastructure that has been built Using billions of dollars, we're talking about the internet, social media, YouTube, LinkedIn, um, TikTok, all of these platforms utilizing the internet and utilizing high-speed internet, along with our phones and that sort of uh, technology, are able to, in a way, broadcast our thoughts and our views and our our ideals, our religion, our our very personalities to potentially billions of people. A little, a little backtrack here for you. I, I remember when I was uh, growing up, my brother and I, we tried to start a t-shirt company in high school. And in doing so, we realized that we didn't have any distribution. We didn't know how to get our, our product to, to market to, to, to the client. And so back in the day, in the late, you know, Mid to late 90s, if you were a clothing brand, urban streetwear, if you were Nike, if you were Adidas, if you were high end, low end, middle of the road, whatever, you would have to um, go through radio. You'd have to go through um, television and you'd have to go through print. So it was either newspapers or magazines or radio or television. And it was very expensive. I mean, to take out an ad in the newspaper or to get a, you know, to get into a, a magazine for their marketing department was hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And only the high end companies that were, you know, super, like, you know, rich could actually do it. So you had such a barrier, to, a barrier to entry when it came to commerce, when it came to clothing, when it came to spirits like beer and wine and. And, and anything else or technology, you just, there was just no way somebody who was, um, lower to middle-class could even afford to, to approach, to step into the door. It was just insane. And so we, we, we went through word of mouth and we were able to still sell some, some t-shirts and some stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, it was like, you know, we got a few t-shirts sold and, but that was it. Now, fast forward to 2023. You literally have companies that you could sign up for right now, like Teespring, or I think there's a a few others like Vistaprint and whatever else where you can, and I kid you not sign up. You don't even have to have inventory. You just need a credit card and you put out your designs or whatever else you send them a PDF. And they'll print it on demand, print on demand. So anybody orders a t-shirt, anybody orders a hat, anybody orders a water, like, you know, a cooler or a, or a backpack with your image or logo on it, you're good to go. And they'll take a certain percentage, but you don't have to take that risk of having to spend hundreds of thousands. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars of setting up, you know, your, your, um, your corporation, your registration, I mean, you still have to do that, but then you don't have to worry about the inventory. You don't have to worry about all of the things that could break you or break a starting business. And so when it came to the marketing of what we were trying to do, it was crazy because we couldn't, there was no way we could, you know, get our stuff to, for people to see it fast forward. Like I was saying before, everybody has a high speed computer in their pocket. If, be it with an uh, Android or a smart smartphone or an, or an Apple phone or some sort of tablet or some sort of laptop or some sort of home computer, some sort of desktop, and you have potentially an audience of close to 2 billion people worldwide. Now, granted, if those people can get your goods and any, everything else, then so be it. But at the end of the day, they can get your stuff, see what you're doing, pay for programs or courses or your services or whatever. You can work digitally. You can work remotely. You can work at any place on earth, as long as you have a good connection and your, you know, your technology there with you. So you're good to go. Um, it's, it's remarkable. And what Gary Vee was saying was when he started out back in the, you know, late to mid nineties, he's 47 and He remembers a time where there wasn't all of these platforms. I mean, if you just run down the list, you've got Facebook, you've got Instagram, you've got Twitter, you've got YouTube, you've got LinkedIn, you've got Google AdSense, you have um, Vimeo, right? You've got, um, for creators who are not able to get into the same sort of lanes, you know, as musicians and artists, there's Patreon. So if you have an idea, you have a magazine, there's crowdfunding, like, um... Oh, was it GoFundMe where if you're trying to raise funds for a magazine or your own brand of sauces or meats or whatever the case is, then there's a way that you can, um, there's a way that you can get funds and advertise and the more reach you can get, the better. And so all this to say that Gary V was talking about this and comparing and contrasting where we were back in, you know, 1999 to where we are now. It's night and day. It really is. It's night and day. And yet, for whatever reason, the majority, of, the majority of us are going to let fear stop us. Fear is going to control what you're willing to do, what you're willing to get into, what job or careers you're willing to change where you're willing to move to if if that if that's part of what you're trying to do or um, change something with yourself, either your diet or how you live or how you communicate with people. You might be in a relationship that just isn't serving you anymore and you've been with this person for years and you just you feel like you deserve to be treated better. You, you feel like you want more, more passion, more desire, more traveling, you name it. And for whatever reason, you're not going to do it because you're afraid, because there's fear. And, and to be clear, fear has kept, you know, the caveman and the Serengeti from being eaten by the saber tooth. It's it stopped people from walking into traffic and from, you know, touching that hot stove or slapping a cop, you hope, or punching, you know, punching your principal or your boss or whatever. It's it stopped us from hurting ourselves. And so fear can be a, can be a good thing. But the bad type of fear is when you want to do something, you know, there's something you need to do and you're not willing to do it because of the fear of what people might think of you, how they might view you, how they might talk about you, how they might look at you in society, specifically family and friends. It's it's. I mean, it's one thing when it's just strangers on the street, but it's a whole other topic when it's your wife or your husband or your, your brother, your sister, your, that circle of people that you care what they think. And you, you, you really don't want to disappoint them because their opinion means something, because their opinion matters. And it's a, it's a hard sell, man. It's a tough sell. And I think what we need to do... And so we're going to go over this a little bit here, but just an introductory of what I was thinking, because one of the the insane things that I remember reading about, and so uh, the first thing I wanted to touch on was just how we see ourselves in other people's eyes. And so there was a, a great rapper by the name of Big Pun, Christopher Rios. He passed away in 2000, I believe. 1999 or 2000, he, at the time of his death, weighed close to 700 pounds. He was a very large man. He had a ridiculously slow metabolism and an insatiable appetite for everything grease covered in grease, chicken, fried foods, salty foods, fat foods, you name it. And he basically ate himself to death. He was one of the most talented rappers that I had ever heard. This side of Nas, Eminem, Rakim, Cool G Rap, one. Like he's up there with the greats. And even though he doesn't get a lot of credit, probably due to the fact that he was Puerto Rican and there's still a bias within hip hop when it comes to Puerto Ricans and um, Latinos on the mic, particularly coming out of New York. Right. Um, I mean, outside of fat Joe and true life, I, I don't, I can't name, I don't think I can name five Latino rappers and I'm sure there are plenty who, you know, and I guess also, um, snow, um, she's an independent rapper, a Mexican, uh, uh, uh Mexico rapper, sorry, uh, based out of, out of America. But all that to say pun had a, an insane, a, a crazy diet. Um, he at one point went to a fat camp in, um, in Duke, North Carolina there, if I'm not, I think that's where Duke is, uh, the university lost hundred pounds. But then as soon as he got out of the fat camp, he gained it all back. And, and what happened was, is there was an interview with a gentleman by the name of Steve Rifkind. He is, uh, he was the CEO of loud records and loud was a loud was a, uh, an awesome hip hop label back in the, in the nineties and into the, into the two thousands for a little bit, they had exhibit and pun was on there, uh, mob deep inspected deck Raekwon the chef dead prez um who else was on there there was a there was a a fair amount of guys on there uh that were really really dope I think I think for the beginning of their career Wu-Tang was on there as a whole I, I don't know for sure but nonetheless Steve Rifkind came to pun and said look man we'll help you do whatever you need to lose the weight and he said something that always stuck in my head where he said, well, if I lose the weight, what will I be? I won't be big pun anymore. I'll just be pun. And it's, it always stuck in my head because identity is such a powerful thing. How we identify with ourselves, how we identify with our families, our brand, is, if you would, how people see us, how we see ourselves. There's always this feeling of, If I don't do this, if I don't project this image, then who am I? Right? And with pun, it was his weight. It was his size. Being big, being large meant, okay, you could kind of handle yourself. You weren't skinny. You weren't small. You weren't, you know, you weren't um, frail. You were big. You were, you know, you had mass. You had weight. Even the word big sounds big. <laughs> you know. And he just didn't do it. And so subsequently he... um. You know, he passed away due to his um, his large size, and the world lost a great talent. The world lost somebody who should have still been making records, who should have still been um, still been doing it. But he just could not turn away from that mentality. He could not turn away from the idea that what he saw himself as and what the rest of the world saw himself as was not healthy for him. It wasn't healthy. His lifestyle that he was leading was killing him and eventually would kill him. And so I think that's the first thing I want to kind of touch on is that whenever we take on a personality, a role of what people think of us when they think of us, if that's not something that's serving us anymore, we have to really look back and say, okay, I, I don't want to be this type of person anymore. Maybe you were the jokester. Maybe, maybe you still have a great sense of humor and you're always, you know, having fun with people and all that, but you have a serious side to you. And that side is always kind of, people are like, okay, whatever, like, who cares? You know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, you're, you, you want to, um, you want to lose some weight, Right. And people have always known you as a bigger, large person. And you're wondering what will happen if I lose all this weight, what will happen to my identity? I've always been this big, joyful, joy, joyous individual. And now I'm going to be lean. And you know, what does that say? But you know that you need to lose the weight because you're, you know, you want to be there for your kids. You want to be, you want to live a long life. All right. Or maybe you were drinking a lot or smoking weed or, or smoking or whatever. And It's, it's something that needs to go, but you're known as that party person. And so I think the first thing we need to do is really recognize if this part that we're playing, if it's really serving us, right? I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing when we're dealing with fear and when we're dealing with how people will view us is, is Gary Vee was saying something along the lines that we're afraid that somebody is going to make a comment about us, that they're going to say something disparaging, they're going to make fun of us, they're going to poke, poke at us, maybe we're, we're not in the shape we want, maybe our background isn't the best for videos, maybe we don't have the right you know, camera, maybe we don't have the right studio, the right sound, it's not the right time, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. And it's all just excuses because we're afraid, because we want acceptance. And I think that's the second thing Is is watching where you get your acceptance from And asking yourself Why is it that the acceptance of this person Is so important Why is the acceptance Of this individual Of this um, um, Of this maybe tribe So important to us And is it actually helping us Are we actually being, um, how should I put this? Are we, Oh, excuse me. Are we being served? And are we actually nourishing ourselves? And so a great case in point was this song by, uh, Amanda Marshall, Birmingham. And it was from, I believe her, uh, oh man, she had one, one of her albums back in the mid nineties. Um, beautiful album. And she's a great Canadian, uh, sing songstress. I believe her parents are from Trinidad and Canada and, and in the, in the lyrics of the song, she talks about how there's a a young lady who, um, you know, has been married to this gentleman or not a gentleman anymore because he beats her now. And one of the lyrics say, um, he pulled a gun to change the channel on the TV, you know, uh, the life she loved is, is gone from what she knew. The dream she had have all have turned all black and blue, And so the person and the life that she thought that they were going to have is gone. And she has a choice. She has a choice. She can continue on this route and end up dead or beaten every day, having to cover up bruises and scars, living with, I'm not like joking or anything, but living with the, the, the mindset of fear and the mindset of, Anxiety and worry and what version of this person am I going to see today? Is it going to be the fun, friendly person or the angry drunk that, that beats me unconscious? And so in the lyrics, she, you know, one night she packs her bags, um, she gets in the car and she drives away. In real life, Tina Turner actually did that. She's, uh, I think she's almost 80 now. But she had suffered ridiculous amounts of abuse from Ike Turner and they were a team. It was Ike and Tina for, 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 you know, probably over a decade or more unbeknownst to a lot of people or maybe, you know, known to a lot of people, she was suffering abuse. And she had a choice. She said, either I stay here and I die or I leave with nothing. And she left with just the shoes on her feet, clothes on her back. And she walked out. You know, And so The identity of uh, And again, uh, Tina Turner could have basically stayed And said, no, it's Ike and Tina And he was her business manager He was the one that was in control of her career He had the reins of her destiny In his hands And she said, no, I'm not going to put up with this any longer And I think the third thing that Gary V really kind of it hit home for me when I was listening to it was at the end of the day wherever you are if you have to allow people to tell you hey this is who we think you should be this is what you should do and let's say you want to you want to ride horses you want to skate you want to swim you want to Go for your bachelors You want to do something different And everybody around you Be it either socially or culturally Or due to your race Or due to your heritage Says we don't do that You don't do that Who do you think you are? That kind of thing that's where a lot of it stems from, because if you put yourself out there and say, "I'm going to be making videos on YouTube about woodworking, and I love woodworking, and you care about it," I'm not saying I do, but and you want to be an expert in it, well, you're going to have people that are going to criticize you for it. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to they're going to laugh at you. They're going to put you down. And you have a choice. You really do. You have a choice that could say, "Hey, I I I really I really want to do this. This is what my heart's telling me, my mind's telling me. I want to be a part of this community or a part of this scene or I want to do this." And and to let people who I'll never probably never meet, I'll never see in real life dictate how you're going to move. You have to actually pull yourself back and think this is in, this is insane. This is crazy. This is nuts. So the idea of, I guess what I'm talking about is that over the last little bit, I've hesitated to put out videos of the podcast because the studio doesn't look right. And again, I I did a lot of work over the last summer because of like the water issues we had with the washing machine. And I've got the studio up and I've got the lights and I've, I've got a good camera, but I've been, I've been hesitant. You know, because the comments could rip, rip you asunder. And then, and then you start to wonder, wait, who cares? If, if there's somebody who doesn't like what you're doing, who doesn't uh, appreciate it, and who doesn't want to watch your video, listen to your podcast, or read your book, or listen to your deposition, whatever it is, then so be it. At no time has has any of the things that i 've ever imagined happening when i 've put out content actually happened when somebody would say something you know i 've had friends and family say things to the to the effect of you know I, I ramble too much or I need more of a script and 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 that 's constructive criticism, so I think you have to learn the difference between the two there is the criticism where you um if, if your sound isn't good, if a person can barely hear you, if the lighting isn't that great, you know, or if, or if you're, you're just mumbling and slurring your words, if you're not able to, um, put together, you know, something that you're really passionate about, we're talking about podcasts and videos, then you might want to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, improve that. But if somebody says, ah, you suck, (laughs) it's like, okay, well, I can't really do anything with that. So I'm going to start taking my own advice and, you know, and put out content that has video footage on it, just talking, you know, cause it's, it's one thing, in my opinion, to listen to this stuff and take it into consideration and then just not do it. And that's, I think that's probably where it's the most damaging because like I can, you know, Tina Turner, uh, the la- the lady from that, that, that lyric from Amanda Marshall, big pun. I mean, just think what would have happened if pun had lost that weight. Or think what would have happened if Amy Winehouse wasn't on drugs or drinking or, you know, Kurt Cobain got the help he needed for his alcohol addiction or Chris Cornell did the same thing. Excuse me. And really, really committed to the work. And again, I I can't judge on people's mental health and what they were going through at the time that their lives ended. But I know that if you really want to hold on to this life, it's gonna to, to be tough. And there might be things you have to do that are uncomfortable and that put you out there. There's a there's a gentleman by the name of Rafi Perez. Uh, Rafi was here, he's an artist along with his wife Klee. And they are, are sculptors and painters, and I believe Klee makes jewelry. And so on and so forth And She They they as a couple Left their nine to five And they traveled for two years When they met each other After Rafi had his um, Had a divorce And The The feeling of How could I put this The feeling of Actually shedding the thoughts of what other people think is so powerful because had they not done that, they would still be where they were and probably probably dead due to the stress and due to the anxiety and the worry of not actually doing this thing that you want to do. And I think before we end it here, I just want to mention that one of the things that I've found when it comes to pursuing anything is that we have this idea in our head about what it, it is. Could be you want to be a a movie director, you want to be something glamorous, or maybe not so glamorous. Maybe you just want to be married, maybe you just you want kids, you, you want a family, you want to own a home. At the end of the day, it's pretty mundane the stuff that you have to do to maintain your level of whatever it is, be it a marriage or having kids, all that kind of stuff. You're you are in a state of of doing the work and the stuff in that work may, may or may not be glamorous. And I think that's where a lot of people get the whole idea of following your dreams or goals, or your passions kind of mixed up because you're not, how could I put this? You're not in a state of joyous serotonin bliss. Every time you put pen to paper, turn on the camera, start to write, start to do your research, Go into work, pick up your kids from school. It's pretty mundane. It's pretty boring, if you would. But because you love it, and be, and it's because what you want to do, then you're willing to kind of put all that to the side and say, no, this is what I want to do. This is what's um, joyous for me. What I feel passionate about, and I want to want to do it. But it's going to do. It's going to take. Um, having a system in place and and doing things that are not necessarily fun all the time. I remember um, a great ad that I saw a long time ago with Derek Jeter, uh, the captain, my captain from uh, the Yankees, who was one of the the greatest, oh, I want to say shortstops. Oh, man, shortstops to ever play the game. Had swag before I mean, Deion Sanders and Derek Jeter Had swag before people knew what it was Basically They had that je ne sais quoi That it factor And one of the first ever Michael uh, Jordan brand trainers For baseball was for Derek Jeter Derek Jeter um, Was a Jordan athlete For baseball When they only had athletes for basketball But he was such a transcendent player he was able to make it work and, and being from New York and I mean, his number has been retired and he's, he's a hall of famer, first ballot hall of famer, you know, um, one, one at every level. And he, he said something again, that stuck into my head when I was reading sports illustrated magazines all those years ago. And he said, he, as a, as a, as a shortstop hates running. just hated it. Like, did not like it did not enjoy it it was not something that he loved but he loved baseball so he realized in order to be good at this baseball thing he needed to run he needed to lo- he needed to find a way to love it same thing with bodybuilding you have people who they love the pump they love working out they love feeling fit but they hate dieting and eating the foods that will get you to where You need to be, but that's part of the process. There's the glamorous aspect of it that you're standing on stage or that you're hitting the home runs, but there's the everyday mundane day-to-day practice of getting up, working out, eating right, going to bed, recovery, do it again. It's not glamorous. It's not sexy, but it's what you need to do to, to win. Right? It's what you need to do to get by. So I think what I want to do is um, is say that for myself and for others out there, anybody listening to this, the people that make fun, criticize, laugh, put you down, all that kind of stuff, it could be a few, it could be a little, it could be a lot, or it could even be yourself. And if there's something that you're trying to do or that you want to do, and you feel that, okay, this is something that need be is, is like pretty important. You got to take little small steps, little small steps. One is identify what you actually want to do. Two is, you know, actually put together a plan, some sort of strategy, nothing crazy, but just, you know, like just a template of what you want to do and then press play. Press record, start, and know that nobody makes fun or laughs at something that doesn't have any value to it. Nobody robs a house that is dilapidated and burned out and, you know, abandoned. Nobody robs a graveyard if the tomb has nothing in it, right? Right? You're not going to see somebody walking down the street unless, you know, there's mental derangement there and you're like, Hey, um, excuse me, this person doesn't have anything. So we're going to rob them. You know, that makes no sense. So anyways, um, like I was saying, you want to start the process. You want to get to a place where you are moving towards something, not moving away from something and not allowing people to dictate how you live your life. So anyways, just want to thank you for listening, taking time out of your busy day, wherever you are in the world today. Thank you. Once again, you can find the marketplace of ideas podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from Google play, Stitcher Podbean, you name it. We are there. Until next time, take care, and be good to one another out there. Peace.